0: A dessert named after a ballerina, drinking wine with a canine, and a trip to Bag End. This week we're visiting the Kiwis in Auckland, New Zealand.
1: Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits
0: Podcast Network. While winter is pounding most of the U.S. with snow and ice, it's summertime in sunny and beautiful New Zealand. And Auckland, New Zealand, they call it the city of sails, offers summer pleasures galore from island hopping to nearby destinations. But before we take on any of that, let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. You might be surprised to learn that Auckland is one of the most ethnically diverse cities in the entire Pacific. They've got populations of Chinese, Indian, Malaysian, Pacific Islander, UK expats, and of course, the indigenous people of New Zealand, the Maori. And all of these communities have brought their food culture to Auckland, making it a wonderful, tasty tapestry of food choices. So, one of the first things I always like to do when I come into a city is look up the food tours that are available. It seems like every city now has several food tours to choose from, but they're getting more and more expensive. It's not really unusual to see food tours running $150, $200 per person, which to me seems a little bit on the excessive side. But in Auckland, They've got a company called Eat Auckland Tours, and they've got several different foodie excursions all around $50 U.S., which to me is pretty much the sweet spot. That's a, that's a good price to pay for a food tour. My favorite of their food tours is the Sandringham Food and Spice Tour. Sandringham is the name of a suburb of Auckland just outside the city it's not far at all and they have a huge Indian and Sri Lankan population there and the Eat Auckland tour visits five local restaurants for tastings they talk with some chefs and they visit a couple of spice markets and if you've never been to an Indian spice market it's quite the treat all kinds of wonderful and exotic spices for you to see and smell and taste. And all of this, their tour goes for about $37 US. To me, that's really quite a bargain, 37 bucks. Another area of Auckland that's very popular now is the neighborhood of Ponsonby. And some people call this neighborhood a hipster neighborhood. I think it's more upscale than that. But if you go down Ponsonby Road, There's lots of shops and fancy boutiques, and the best thing about Auckland is there's not a lot of chain stores or chain restaurants in Auckland. I think I saw McDonald's while I was there, but for the most part, these are small, locally owned shops, or maybe they own a couple of locations of a restaurant, but mostly it's stuff that you won't see when you travel in the U.S. or you travel to other cities. And that's what I think makes Auckland and the rest of New Zealand really fascinating. This is the kind of place you can go and find cool trinkets to bring back with you that you really won't find anywhere else. Ponsonby also has Auckland's best food hall called Ponsonby Central, Um, Sure, there's a burger joint and a pizza place, just like you'd expect, but also they've got some other really cool restaurants in there. There's a Japanese izakaya restaurant. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. They've got an Argentinian barbecue restaurant, an organic bakery, and my favorite, Bird on a Wire. Bird on a Wire is famous for their rotisserie chicken. But what I like there is their salads. They have a display case filled with fresh salads, and you can pick your favorite, or you can do like we did and get four different salads on a plate for about $13 US. Pretty nice. My favorite's the Vietnamese noodle salad out of this world and the beetroot salad. The thing that I noticed immediately in Auckland is... Um, The freshness of everything that you buy in the restaurants, the salads and all of the produce are incredibly fresh, no limp lettuce, no slimy uh, spinach, everything is just uh, green and crisp and beautiful. And the same goes for the grocery stores. If you're staying in an Airbnb or somewhere with a little kitchenette, you can go to the grocery store and find wonderful local New Zealand produce. When we were in New Zealand, uh, avocados were in season and the local avocados from New Zealand are fantastic. Cherries were in season too. They were wonderful, but all the produce that we bought at the grocery store was amazing. And also, while you're at Ponsonby Central, um, if you eat a salad for lunch, for me, the best part about eating a salad for lunch is you got room for dessert. You can totally justify having dessert if you have salad for lunch, at least in my mind. And Ponsonby Central has a great dessert place called Foxtrot Parlor. Foxtrot Parlor, try them for dessert. And speaking of dessert, there is a famous dessert in New Zealand called the uh, pavlova. Uh, pavlova is kind of a meringue with fruit on top, except they add cornstarch to the uh, egg whites and it when it when you make it it gets kind of a crispy outer shell with kind of a marshmallow-like inside, which is a little different from the meringue. It's absolutely fantastic, and lots of places in Auckland serve the pavlova. The history of the pavlova is also really interesting. The legend is that there was this famous Russian ballerina. Her name was Anna Pavlova, and she was touring New Zealand in 1926. And a chef at a hotel made the famous dessert what he called the pavlova, in her honor. But hold on one second. Uh, It's not as easy as that. The Australians also claim that they invented the dessert called the pavlova earlier that same year. And for years and years, even to this day, the Australians and the New Zealanders, they go back and forth about who can claim the invention of this dessert. So a couple of food researchers came by, one Australian, one New Zealander, And they determined that the pavlova was actually of American origin. It started as a German tort and uh, moved to America. And that's where it really became what is now known as the pavlova. It doesn't matter who you believe because it's equally delicious no matter where you go. And whipping up egg whites to a stiff peak doesn't seem like something that one single person could possibly invent but it doesn't really matter where the pavlova actually came from. It's delicious no matter where you get it. And the traditional pavlova is available just about anywhere in Auckland and in New Zealand. But the real interesting pavlovas are the ones where they've kind of taken a twist of the traditional and added in something modern or different or interesting. And in Auckland, Chibo... Makes a wonderful pavlova. It's a little pricey, 14 bucks US, but they do three different kinds of pavlova, and this one is incredible. It's a peanut brittle pavlova with salted caramel. Oh. Unbelievable. And Euro, which is right on the waterfront in Auckland, so you're dining right on the harbor, they make a great pavlova too. Theirs they top with sorbet. What to drink?
1: I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink.
0: New Zealand is a tiny, tiny player on the world wine stage. Even Russia and Romania, not exactly hotbeds of wine production, make more wine than the Kiwis do, but Auckland has a secret weapon, Waiheke Island. They make a minuscule percentage of wine even in New Zealand's small production, but they have jaw-dropping scenery and they make excellent wines too, which is why Waiheke Island is a must-visit When you're in Auckland, New Zealand, you hop on a ferry in Auckland and you're stepping off on Waiheke Island in a little over a half an hour. Now, when I say New Zealand wines, you probably first think of Sauvignon Blanc and Sauvignon Blanc is grown on Waiheke. But because of this little winery called Kennedy Point Vineyard, Syrah is becoming a dominant varietal. Their Syrah at Kennedy Point won a gold medal and trophy at the 2007 International Wine Challenge, which is an amazing feat for an unknown winery from an obscure region. But Kennedy Point is now very popular. They make wonderful Syrahs. Their Pinot Noir is also excellent. And it's my favorite place to visit on Waiheke Island because of not only the wines— They also make olive oil from their own olive trees, and they have an avocado oil, too. But my favorite reason to visit there is the scenery. It's breathtaking. You go up to the winery, and you have a view looking down over Kennedy Bay. It's spectacular, and the folks at Kennedy Point know it, so they put picnic tables out there. You can bring your own picnic, or you can buy food from them and enjoy the day at Kennedy Point Winery. It's quite the place to be. There's also some better known wineries on the island, including Batch Winery, which is a nice place to grab lunch. They have a great view there, and Man War, which might be the most popular winery on Waiheke Island. Also, you want to, when you're there, take a tour. Of the wineries. Um, You might be tempted to say, oh, I'm going to just uh, grab a bicycle and bike to the wineries. This is a good idea in places like uh, Napa and maybe in the south of France where the terrain is flat, Waiheke Islands terrain is not flat. (laughs) It's very hilly. Trust me, you get a bicycle, you're going to be huffing and puffing after the first vineyard. You have a couple glasses of wine. It's going to be even worse. This will turn a wonderful day into a miserable, sweaty one. So the thing to do is to take a wine tour. And The best one on Waiheke Island is Waitiki Tours. Natalie Patterson will pick you up right at the ferry terminal and shuttle you to several different wineries. And best of all, she'll take you to some of the best lookout spots, and most beautiful locations around the island. We went on the tour with Natalie. She brings her dog Shanty with her, and it was so much fun. She knows wineries like the back of her hand, knows all the best places to go, and knows everyone who's producing wine on the island. So when you go to Waiheke, go to Waitiki Tours, and you'll really get to enjoy it and not have to worry about A, driving, B, biking, or where all the best spots are. And one final word about the local wines in the Auckland area. If you're thinking about bringing back some Waiheke wines, normally what I say is if you're looking for some wine when you're traveling, wait till you get home and order it online or ask at your local wine shop if they can get some. Most of these wineries have local distributors. But Waiheke Island is the exception to that rule. Um, I looked at our local wine shop. They don't have any Waiheke wines. I also looked at several online uh, sellers of wine none of them had any Waihiki wines. And that's because production is so small, they don't really export a lot of Waihiki wines. Instead, they're mostly consumed at the wineries, at local restaurants, or through their wine clubs. So in this case, what I recommend doing is if you get a bottle that you enjoy, buy a bottle or buy two. You can enjoy it while you're still on your vacation, maybe while you have a picnic or something. Or if you really want... Bring a bottle or two back with you. Just remember, you can't take it on your carry on. It's got to go in your checked luggage. Make sure you pack it very, very well. You don't want to get home and have your clothes ruined and a broken bottle. It's heartbreaking. And third, when you get to customs, you have to declare the wine. Okay? You don't want to get caught and get fined for not declaring it. And really, the uh, wine duty is minuscule. It's a couple of dollars per bottle. So, declare your wine when you get to customs. Now, when you leave Waiheke Island, instead of going all the way back to Auckland all the way, it's half an hour. Um, instead of going back to Auckland, I say go to Devonport instead. There's a ferry that'll take you there directly. And Devonport is just a quick ferry ride across to Auckland anyway, so you're almost there. And Devonport is a world away from Auckland, where Auckland is a big city, hustle and bustle with skyscrapers. 1.6 million people or something live there. Devonport is a world away. It's a quiet little Victorian village. I don't know if you want to stay overnight there. Well, if you like peace and quiet, you want to stay overnight there. Um, If you like nightlife, Devonport rolls up the streets at about 8 o'clock and there's nothing going on there. But here's why to go to Devonport it has these wonderful victorian houses if you walk along the waterfront several several of them have beautiful english gardens if you go in their summertime our wintertime in the northern hemisphere uh, a lot of them have beautiful flowers including lots of uh, gorgeous hollyhocks it's really a wonderful place to go and they have a place called mount victoria um, Mount Victoria, it sounds like a big, huge mountain. It's not a big mountain, and it's paved to walk up there. You can do it in probably 10 minutes uh, walking up on the, on the paved uh, road. And it's a dormant volcano, and you get a spectacular 360-degree view up there. You can see into the water, see all the boats out there. Auckland's not called the City of sails for nothing. You can see back to several of the other islands, and you can see across to Auckland itself. It's really a spectacular view. Then when you come down, walk down Victoria Road. There's several restaurants there, but my favorite restaurant in Devonport isn't on the main drag. It's around the corner, a little place called Hemingway's. And Hemingway's menu is great. They have fresh fish on the menu, of course, fresh catch of the day. Auckland's famous for its fresh seafood. But My favorite thing on the menu is the stuffed mushrooms. They also have an excellent wine list with several local bottles and glasses available. Hemingway's best place to go. Now, before you hop on the ferry, like I said, it's just a 12-minute ferry ride back to Auckland. Here's the one thing that I love to do in Devonport. On the waterfront across from Auckland, you've got a beautiful view of the skyline. This is a place to get some nice selfie pictures to put on your Instabook or Facegram or wherever you want to put it. Um, but in addition to that, I like sitting on the benches there and watching the sun go down. Now, in the summer, the sun sets, sets late in New Zealand. I mean, it doesn't really get dark until after nine o'clock. But luckily, the ferries run late during the summer. So you can sit on these benches. Watch the sun go down behind the skyline of Auckland, Behind it goes right behind the Sky Tower, get some spectacular pictures, and really enjoy some tranquil uh, evening time in the Auckland area. On the website Destination Eat Drink, there's lots of pictures of the Auckland skyline, including some taken from Devonport. You can also get more information about Auckland at DestinationEatDrink.com, including lots of other fun places to visit, cool things to do, and of course, great restaurants. And once you get back to Auckland, maybe you want to make a late night of it, you can go to Vulcan Lane. Vulcan Lane is um, a, a small road, but it's crammed with several cool bars. My favorite one is called the Gin Room, and the Gin Room is great because you walk up a flight of stairs. It's like a speakeasy, and it's got a wonderful, comfy little sitting area, and you can overlook the um, and you can overlook the street below and watch all the characters that are hanging out down there. My favorite drink in there is called the Hanky Panky. It's made with gin, of course, but the secret weapon is this bitter Italian liqueur that makes the hanky-panky. Now, before you visit the gin room, check their website. We got the lowdown from one of the bartenders who said they are going to be closing um, temporarily while they remodel and relaunch. He told me that they're going to make the sitting area even more comfy than it is. I don't know how they can do that, but he said that's what they're going to do. They're going to make it more comfy. So it could be closed over the next few weeks. You'll just have to check the website for details. And where the gin room is located on Vulcan Lane, it actually has a funny nickname, Vultures Lane. And it got that nickname from back in the day when there were lawyers' offices on the second floor uh, surrounding Vulcan Lane. And the lawyers used to peer out the windows and listen in to conversations between, let's say, ne'er-do-wells who are down below discussing what were possibly, illegal activities and the lawyers would do this in order to figure out how they would get more business so uh, the street went from vulcan lane to vultures lane for the behavior of these lawyers things to do and places to see i don't know what do you want to do
1: on destination eat drink
0: Subscribe to the Destination Eat Drink podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or you can listen at radiomisfits.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes so others can hear it as well. I love taking walking tours when I'm in a new city. This is a great way to see some of the highlights of the city, so I usually do it the first day I arrive in a city. It gives you an idea of the lay of the land, plus you can get an idea of some of the other places that you might want to go and some of the places where you think, oh, it was nice to see that, but we don't have to visit there any longer. Um, In Auckland, there is something called the Auckland Free Walking Tour, and they hit the highlights all through downtown Auckland, including Britomart, the university area, Albert Park, Queen Street, Vulcan Lane, all of these places that you want to see. And you can check them off your bucket list, the things that you have to do in Auckland, pretty quickly in one walking tour. The only thing is, don't forget, it's called a free walking tour, but it's polite to tip your guide after you've completed the tour. The other great tour in Auckland concerns Maori culture. The Maoris are the original New Zealanders. They came to Auckland, they came to New Zealand seven, eight hundred years ago, navigating from Polynesia in huge canoes using only the stars, the tide and migration patterns. And when you think about it, This is a couple hundred years before Columbus even went across the Atlantic Ocean. This is several hundred years before the Europeans came down through New Zealand and uh, Captain Cook declared New Zealand to be part of the British Empire. So this feat that the Maoris did from Polynesia to New Zealand is truly incredible and they have a fascinating, rich culture that is alive and well in Auckland. Uh, this company called Tamika Hikoe Tours has several Maori-related tours. Uh, one of the best is called Heaven and Earth, and it will take you to Mount Eden, a beautiful spot where they'll teach you a little about Maori culture. And that's a good inexpensive option if you really want to get fully immersed in Maori culture, you might think about being part of the uh, Ra Karakia ceremony. That takes place at sunrise. You go up, you're part of the ceremony, you learn about Maori culture, but it is a little bit pricey at $200 per person. The Sky Tower in Auckland is the iconic landmark of the city. Every picture you see of Auckland, there's the Sky Tower right there. And Around the Sky Tower is Sky City, where there's several good restaurants. I was surprised. I figured Sky City, it was going to be a tourist trap. And there are some little touristy places there. There's a sad little casino inside Sky Tower. But there's also several excellent restaurants there, including the uh, Federal Deli. Which is kind of a throwback to a Jewish New York City deli. They've got some excellent food there and it's a lot of fun to hang out there. But if you want to go to the top of the Sky Tower, you can do that. It costs about 20 bucks to go up there and it's a nice view. I Prefer going to Mount Eden or Mount Victoria that I talked about earlier, but you can go to the top and a lot of people do it and enjoy it. If you're an adrenaline junkie, you might want to think about doing what they called a controlled fall from the platform of the tower. <laughs> I saw people doing this. It looks really funny from the ground. You see these people just kind of hanging there in midair. It looks like they're falling. It's kind of like a bungee jump, but slower. Um, costs about 150 bucks per person. Of course, lots and lots of people visit Auckland and visit New Zealand in order to see the Lord of the Rings locations. The thing is, after the trilogy was filmed in New Zealand, all the sets were pretty much torn down and taken away. There's still some Hobbit-related uh, places that you can go. A lot of them are in the South Island, Auckland's in the North Island, and several of them are in near Wellington, which is in the southern part of the North Island. But the one huge Lord of the Rings attraction is called Hobbiton. And Hobbiton is the set for the 2012 movie, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. And they didn't tear this down, although some of the places have been uh, recreated since the movie. You can go here and there is Bag End, where Bilbo is from. There's tons of these little Hobbit holes. They're just like they looked in the movie. Absolutely spectacular and green and gorgeous. And it looks like the movie. It looks like New Zealand. And it's a lot of fun to go there. You can go to a replica of the Green Dragon. There's also a cafe where you can go and get a second breakfast. It's fantastic. Lots of people go there. I would recommend going if you can. Here's the thing. Um, It's not really close to anything. It's about a two-hour car ride, a a two-and-a-half-hour bus ride down to Hobbiton. So it takes a while. I mean, this is a full-day commitment if you're planning on doing it. And once you get to Hobbiton, um, I like taking the bus tour down there, but once you get there, you're going in with everyone else on your ticket. In other words, it doesn't matter how expensive of a bus tour you book, you're still going to go into Hobbiton with everybody else. So for me, the most important thing when you're booking your Hobbiton uh, journey on a bus tour is price looking for the cheapest price possible because everyone's going into the same place. Everyone gets the same tour guide. So it really doesn't matter unless you're really interested in extra comfort and amenities like this. So the cheapest one that I've found is from a place called Inner City Hobbiton Day Tours. And their prices are less than half of some of the other tour companies that i've seen so if you want to get your hobbit on go to hobbiton but look for a good price when you're taking the tour
1: tips and inside information on destination eat drink
0: in addition to hosting this podcast and the destination website, websites. I'm also a writer of fiction. My novel, Truffle Hunt, and my collection of short stories, That Bird, are both available at Amazon.com. Or check out DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the About tab. Public transportation in Auckland is very good. The interlink route takes you from Sky City to K K Road to Ponsonby and lots of other good locations within the city. I recommend uh, taking the public transportation in Auckland. Uh, Driving, to me, is very stressful in New Zealand because you're on the left-hand side of the road. And you eventually get the hang of it, but I find it very stressful. I like taking the public transportation because it's so efficient. If you do decide to take the public transportation, get the at hop card. Uh, You can save like 40% off of each ride. If you're planning on taking multiple rides, it's worth taking the uh, at hop card. And you probably want to take public transportation. New Zealand is, it's not a huge city. It's not Los Angeles. It's not Chicago, but it's a big city, 1.6 million people. And in order to get to a lot of these neighborhoods, you probably do want to take the bus. You'll see lots of folks advertising uh, boat rides and boat tours around Auckland and to various islands. For me, one of the best ways to see the harbor, to see the water, and to get to some of these islands is by taking the ferry. It's extraordinarily efficient. It's easy to use. It's not really that expensive. So uh, look for the ferry when you're going island hopping rather than spending money on a a big boat tour as far as money goes i feel like new zealand is really inexpensive and on sale right now new zealand's dollar has fallen almost 25% in the last five years as compared to the U.S. dollar. Current conversion rate is about one New Zealand dollar to 67 U.S. cents. So something that costs $24 in New Zealand is $16 in U.S. So it's quite affordable uh, to go to New Zealand right now. Tipping isn't very common in New Zealand for meals or for taxis, but if you get great service in a restaurant, it's appreciated to give them a tip. And you're starting to see those little tip jars pop up on uh, takeaway counters in restaurants and coffee houses in New Zealand. What I usually do is I carry $1 and $2 coins to tip with because it's really difficult, if not impossible, to tip on your credit card in New Zealand restaurants. You know how in the U.S. and a lot of other places there's a line where you can write in your tip on the credit card receipt. I didn't see that anywhere we went in New Zealand. So I would always carry some extra money and just, you know, give it directly to the waiter or the waitress, or just leave it at the counter uh, when I pay. How long to spend in Auckland? Well, of course, that's up to the individual. You could do it in two days. You could do one day of just absolutely jamming in everything that you possibly could in Auckland. Do a walking tour, um, do a food tour in the afternoon, walking tour in the morning, and then at night go around to some of the hip neighborhoods. And then on the second day, do a wine tour and then hit Devonport and then everything else that you didn't get to see um, that second evening. That to me would be um, doable, but very stressful and tiring. I think you really need four days in Auckland to do everything and maybe longer if you want to do a few extra things and maybe go to Hobbiton and things like that. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. I'm Brent Peterson. We drop a new show each Friday. Next week, we're in Sin City, Lost Wages, downtown Las Vegas, just in time for the Super Bowl. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination
1: Eat Drink. A presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.